1: So crazy at times. It sounds like you yell
0: back at your radio.
2: What are you talking about? What the
0: hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now
1: he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's midday madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer.
3: Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness. How are you doing on a Friday? If you're a Brewers fan, not so well, probably. We're going to get into that momentarily. Sent out a tweet while we were doing the big show, and uh, Brewers are just trying to hit home runs. I- I've watched three guys at bat in the second inning, everybody trying just to hit one out. You're not going to win that way. you just not. 6-0 still comes after uh, middle of the second. Tim Allen, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Post-game show driven by Great Lakes Dragway and Union Grove comes up. Uh, immediately following that game after the last pitch, you always make the switch back here to 12.50 a.m. The fan. Rami's show coming up from 3 until whenever the game is over, and then Tim Allen takes over. Uh, coming up on today's show, before we get back into more of this Josh Lindblom Brewers discussion that we were doing at the end of the big show, um, we are going to talk with a, a guy that, I've listened to for a number of years, Jay Sorge, uh, who was on uh, WTMJ radio for years and years and years. Uh, He uh, actually now uh, just took a gig in Philadelphia, and we will talk with Jay Sorge. Had a chance to talk with him a little bit earlier today, so we'll play that back for you. And uh, I was uh, trying, uh, because as you know, if you know me, you know I used to do the uh, spare time bowling show back in the day uh, on the fan on Sunday mornings. My guy Dwight Albright, uh, who I miss, uh, doing a show with, and my guy Phil Brylow, who I miss doing a show with as well. Uh, and we did bowling all the time, well, the World Series of Bowling and everything else. So I was like, well, Brewers game Brewers game is on, big playoff weekend for the PBA Tour. Let's try and get Kyle Troop on. You could probably argue Kyle Troop is probably the most popular guy on the tour right now uh, because of how he looks and everything else that goes along with it, with his big fro that he's got going on, and his hair all picked out and all that. Uh, so that that's, was the plan. Well, we weren't able to do it because, you know, they're bowling, obviously, during the course of the day. So instead, we got the commissioner of the PBA Tour, Tom Clark, will join us coming up in about a half hour, 30, yeah, 30 or so minutes. Uh, he'll join us live from Connecticut, uh, where the event is. So uh, stay tuned for that if you're a big uh, bowling fan. Even if you're not, you'll learn stuff. So don't go anywhere. All right, this, this Brewers game. Since we've got a few minutes here before, I, I play back the Jay Sorgi interview. So I, I tweeted out uh, from my Twitter account, the personal one, not the, the Big Show Network one or the twelve fifty one. just from my own personal account. I tweeted out about 10 minutes ago, how much more patience should the Brewers have with Josh Lindblom? That was the question. That's all I said. I didn't give my take on it or anything like that. I just simply put the tweet out there to see what everybody would think. First response, Salvador. Eat the contract, cut him. Waste of a roster spot. Mm-hmm. Next response, Michael, none. Hmm. Jesse tweets at Sparky Radio. Middle relief is the biggest concern right now. Suter hasn't been spectacular, and Bloom is just not good. Might need to retool the long relief spot or at least get another player there soon. Rasmussen has also had a few bumps so far, too. All right, so th- this is the thing. I don't know how much more patience they're going to have. But based on the tweets that I'm seeing, I'll I'll grant you, I'm not doing it fair, right? I'm tweeting this question out after Lindblom got hammered in the first inning, in which he had to come in after Brett Anderson hurt his knee and left. So in all fairness, I'm I'm not doing Josh Lindblom any favors by asking the question today after it just happened. I understand that. And I get that. But to be honest with you, I've been done with Josh Lindblom since they said they announced they signed Josh Lindblom. I was. And Tim Allen, let's give it a try. And then at one point last year where Lindblom was pitching good, I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong on Lindblom. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe he actually is going to be pretty good. Because there was a little stretch where he actually did pitch okay. By the end of the year, no, I don't think I'm wrong. I think I'm right. And here we go again. And that whole thing in the offseason – Adam McKelvey talked about it, and I think he wrote a piece on it too a back in spring training about how Lindblom made like his own little pitching lab, I think it was, in his backyard or whatever, and working on spin rate and all this other stuff, trying to get himself figured out. So it's not that he's not trying to get better and he's not working on stuff and so forth. It's just not working. It's just not working. Can you, can you, get, can you move on from a Lindblom now? Hey, Plucker, do me a favor. Look up and see real quick. What's Lindblom's contract? As far as
1: I just looked it up actually. Oh, all over three it. years, nine million dollars. So he makes about three
3: million a year. So he's got three million this year, three million next year. Correct. Again, you're you're not New York, you're not Boston, you're not the Cubs who have a ton of money, or the Dodgers or the Padres. So, you know, three million to them of dead money, not of ooh, that hurt the umpire. That had to have hurt the umpire. Um that to to me from Milwaukee, I don't know if you can move on from him or not. I'll just say this. For me, I'm looking. I'm looking, and I'm trying to see what is out there to possibly do. They just got those two cats from the Braves, didn't they? In that Arcia trade? If they're healthy, bring one of them up. Let's see what they look like in long relief. You said when you made the move... That you had an opportunity to add a couple of power arms that you were certain you were going to need throughout the course of the season. Well, here we go. Here's your opportunity. Let's see if they're ready and bring one of them up and let's see if they can do this. But again, because you're a small market, will they be okay taking? Oh my God. Anthony Rizzo solo shot, seven nothing, no doubt off the bat. I, I, I'm glad I don't do the afternoon show anymore because I would be so distracted watching Brewers baseball interrupting my thoughts while doing the game. It would would not be a good radio show. But I don't think $3 million is that much. Plucker is $3 million that much for uh, a small market team in Major League Baseball to eat next year by not having them on your roster?
1: I don't think so. I don't think I, it's a I mean, ton of money.
3: It's it's early in the and
1: season. You can try and trade he only them. it's early in I the guess. season. He only played the 60 games last year. Yeah. A, a readjusting to the major league level is hard and uh, he he wasn't in the major leagues before or when the when the Brewers signed him and I think that's a back-to-back homer. Javi Baez just crushed that thing. Back-to-back home runs for the Cubs. And they're up 7-0 nothing has here. been
3: nothing lately.
1: Yeah, and he hit that like 500 feet. Yeah. He crushed that thing. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, at this point, you have to, and and I know it's it's the gravity of this moment and how awful he has been today. But you you gotta keep giving him opportunities to go out there and prove himself just a little bit longer. I think. I think he has he has a very short leash at this point. But maybe sending him down to the Triple A is trying to. But they don't start until
3: what May seventh or whatever it is. You still got a couple weeks before they even start at this point. It's true. I mean, you're not even close enough to do that. You couldn't do that if you wanted to today at this point. Right. Let's look at Lindblom. Lindblom's game log. Click. Josh Lindblom. Okay. Uh, April 14th in a 7-0 win, two innings, scoreless baseball. April – go back. April 1st uh, against the Twins, one inning, scoreless baseball. April 4th against the Twins, two innings, two runs, both earned four hits. April 10th, at the Cardinals, two innings, three runs all earned. Then his last outing was the 14th against the Cubs, a 7-0 win, two innings, scoreless relief, and now today he's getting annihilated. So, of the five starts, three of the starts, he's given up runs. And the other two uh, were scoreless relief. I'm fine, I guess, if you're going to give him a couple more weeks, but he is not the long-term answer for this bullpen. I'm telling you right now. Well, and I
1: think he proved today he can't – fit into that starting role either.
3: Right, If Brad Anderson is going to miss time with that knee injury that he had earlier, and that's why Lindblom's in the game to begin with from the first inning, then that's, but who else is your options? Like you said, Suter or him? Or you're going to go down and pick up an arm that hasn't pitched in a live game this entire time that's at the alternate site and give them the opportunity to start. Today is one of those days where I want to hear Tim Allen. I really want to hear Tim Allen because if you think I'm losing my mind over this, I can all but guarantee you Tim is beyond, beyond more mad than I am at this point. Without question, beyond more mad than I am at this point. Let's see. More tweets uh, coming in about Josh Bloom. Again, I, I'm just, I'm trying to find those tweets where they say uh, give him some time. Danny tweets at Sparky Radio seven innings, DFAM tomorrow. Purchase Ashby's contract and send Robertson down for a long reliever. Love me some Aaron Ashby now. You know who they're gonna bring up. Love me some Aaron Ashby. They're gonna bring up Eric Lauer. Oh my God. How does that how do you get any better with that move? But you're right. That would make the most sense, right? Trying to still justify that Davies trade. So you bring up Lauer. Who who's pitching for the oh no, they're not gonna no, obviously he wouldn't pitch tomorrow. But oh my God. Yeah, you're right. You are probably right, Van Plucker. It will probably be Eric Lauer. Maybe he got better because Lindblom doesn't appear he's got any better. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's not good. Uh, NGM Mix, uh, the game's over, LOL. Might as well keep him in all day. Uh, Bunk says, cut him immediately after the game. Yeah, it, it's it's just really not that pretty. Uh, At this point uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. And it's fine. You're in first place. Losses are going to happen. Guys are going to have bad days, right? Bloom just seemingly is having his bad day uh, while you're sitting there uh, taking on your rival, uh, the Chicago Cubs. Jason Hayward just... uh, I thought he had hit a home run, but instead Bradley jumped up and missed the ball. That's wonderful. Another run's going to score. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many runs? What's the over-under on runs scored in this game? I'll say it's 15. They're at nine in a second. I'll say they get at least 15 this game. The Cubs. What do you think, Plucker? Over-under, 15. Not that I, I know mean anything. one game. how much gambling. longer is Josh Lindblom in the game? Till his arm falls off. He's at 44. <laughs> I'm not taking him out. I'm not going to waste five arms in this game when it's over. Yeah. There's no chance. None. 15 plus, I would say. I, and I'll tell you something else. I'm not trying to get anybody else. To be out there that doesn't need to be out there right at like, this point, Bradley no Jr. Need. you can come sit down and rest the rest of the game. I'll put Tyrone Taylor in. I got you don't need to play. You can come sit down on the bench and watch and take it for your rest of your day off. Narvaez wasn't playing anyhow, So you already had your backup catcher in there. So that's fine. I think I think at this point if I was calm, so I'd be like, well, Kesson Hera, you are not coming out, my friend, because you need as much work as you can get. So you're staying Pat as is. Colton Wong, once you're done for the day, you let me know I'll put Robertson in. Uh, and shortstop, you're fine. Urias, you've had a couple days off, so you're good. You're not moving anywhere either. Travis Shaw, if you need to come out, let me know. That's it. Game's done. It's done nothing. You can start the post-game show now with Tim Allen at this point. All right, coming up next, we're going to hear from Jay Sorgi, formerly of WTMJ, now uh, working for a news talk station in Philadelphia. If you're a Jay Sorgi fan, I think you'll enjoy hearing Jay again. That comes up next here on Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM The Fan in Odyssey.com station. Welcome back to Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM The Fancy. Sparky for with you. Another special guest joins us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. He's a name that uh, you guys know, a voice you definitely know, having been in Milwaukee for a number of years at WTMJ Radio. He is Jay Sorgi joining us now. Jay, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. No problem. Thank you. All right. So first
3: things first. So people uh, may have they lost track uh, of you if they don't follow you on Twitter, which you have a, a bunch of people that follow you on Twitter, obviously at Jay Sorge uh, on Twitter. You're no longer in Milwaukee. Obviously, a, a long time at TMJ. Now you're at KYW News Radio uh, in Philadelphia, of all places. There has to be some type of uh, culture shock, probably going from Milwaukee to Philly. I would imagine. <laughs>
0: It's, it's a gradual adjustment to it because technically I'm actually sitting about five miles away from your studios as we speak. And that's the fun part about being able to do radio and being able to do digital media for a station 850 miles away. Now, that's obviously going to be changing as our family goes over there. But this is a definite ode to modern technology that uh, as we transition the family out there, I can work for a Philadelphia station. And sit right next uh, to you, essentially almost,
3: which is crazy, absolutely crazy. So, when we talk about you know this this business, I, I guess that we're mm-hmm. in uh, radio, and because of the pandemic, for instance, for the big show, you know, Gary's been working from home, Gary Ellerson, Leroy Butler, he's been working from home, he's been in studio, uh, he was in studio yesterday uh, and the day before a little bit, but uh, today again, working from home. Uh, earlier today before he headed out on a little weekend getaway it, it really kind of has changed the way that like you said like the industry does its business before everybody had to be in studio everybody had to be where they were working and now seemingly this may have changed you know radio forever going forward.
0: it's changed radio forever it's changed media forever. you have the capability to uh, be in in like a t-shirt and shorts and be a top level journalist covering, a Milwaukee Brewers, Milwaukee Bucks, or Green Bay Packers post-game news conference, and be as top professional as you were previously and do all the filing and all the reporting because teams have been able to adjust, for example, to the pandemic and be able to offer you everything you need while you're sitting at home. And it's the same thing when it comes to the technology of being able to do voice work and being able to, to be live on a talk show and be able to do what I do, mainly for KYW, which is digital media at this point. And it's just incredible what this has forced so many, not just stations, but businesses to do. And we can adjust. We can make it work. And so many more people want to work at home in general, let alone us as journalists, let alone the entire radio industry.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. talk with Jay Sorgi, uh, again, formerly of WTMJ, here on Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fans, so obviously, you know these teams uh, as well as I do or anybody else does at this point. Your thoughts on what you saw the Bucks do last night against the 76ers?
0: I didn't get as much of a chance to be able to watch it because of what I do with KYW specifically, which is digital news at this point. So I'm sitting there taking care of news needs in Philadelphia, and I'm talking to our... Uh, Sports guy Dave Euron is covering the game from Philadelphia, as we discuss. And he's just talking uh, for, through the Sixers' perspective of just how they could not cover the Bucks last night. They simply couldn't do what they needed to do defensively to stop this squad. And I think what you're seeing with this two-game miniseries is the chance for the Bucks to make a massive statement in the East and say, Hey, we still belong. We may not be top-seeded as we've been the last couple of years, but we're going to climb there. And I think it's also an opportunity to get the kind of seasoning the Bucks really need that they haven't had for so many years with some challenging, almost series-like games against top contenders. I, I really even think that with Saturday's game, if they come out and they have to play a close, hard-fought game in one and, and win the game, that would mean so much because – They need more of that type of hard contest that they haven't been able to win in the postseason. That, I think, is going to come out really well if they get a fantastic challenge from the Sixers and come out and win.
3: You know, it's interesting. You know I had a chance, obviously, to watch that game last night. They were just shooting lights out. I mean, at one point, they were shooting over 70% from the field late there in the first half, like three or four minutes to go. Middleton couldn't miss early in that game. They couldn't miss early in that game. I think they hit their first 10 field goals in that game. I just don't know how realistic it is to think that they're going to be that good you know, for an entire series against anybody at this point in the playoffs, I I look at that game last night and I kind of go to myself, ah, eh, I I don't know if I really buy that. That's really what it's going to look like if they get to a playoff series with Philadelphia. It might in a game or so. You know, when they hammered the Raptors a couple of years ago, I was like, oh man, they're going to sweep Toronto. They're going to sweep them. Like this is over. And then Toronto wins the next you know four games and and the Bucks end up losing and not going on to the NBA Finals. So when I see what happens last night, I've I've seen this before, right? A team gets red hot that isn't probably a true indicator of how a series would look though
0: that's why you need to see how do they do in adverse situations do the bucks have the capability to adjust their game not have to shoot the lights out like they did last night and still find a way to win against tough competition they haven't done that enough they haven't had to do that enough because so rare is the kind of a game that they have to face a, the kind of team that they would play to play in a conference finals or in an NBA finals and have the night in night out battles of adversity that make you say, okay, we got to find a plan B. We got to find a plan C plan D and have other guys step up and figure out ways to win beyond the Giannis going crazy and outside shooting being what it was last night. They've got to find other ways to, to to win games against top level competition.
3: Talk with Jay Sorgi here on Sparky's Midday Madness on twelve fifty a.m. The fan Jay now working for KYW News Radio out in Philadelphia, doing digital news for them. Formerly of WTMJ here in town. Let's switch gears to the Milwaukee Brewers, who have been red hot as of lately, coming off that sweep of the San Diego Padres. And I've said it here for the last. I don't know, a few days or so, that to me, it is more impressive to me to have a couple of homegrown stud pitchers that you have under contract for another three years after this in Woodruff and Burns, and then Peralta came in the trade for Lynn. But if you add him in to that mix as well, if he continues to develop like he looks like he has through the offseason, through his first couple of starts here... It's more impressive than the MVPs that you have on all three of these pro teams. Because again, you know, growing up watching this team, I'm 44. If you would have told me you would have had this type of pitching, I would have laughed and said, It's not happening, guys. And that's always, even when Doug Melvin was here, all kinds of hitting, never could figure out how to develop that pitching. You had a Sheets, you had a Gallardo, you know, over the course of time, maybe a Teddy Higuera, if you go back even further. But outside of that, you've had to trade for pitching or sign pitching, overpay guys like Supon uh, in order to come in and hope he does the job. It's a huge benefit for the Brewers. And then to have an MVP stick to go along with it in Christian Yelich, again, I think it puts him in a position not only to be a playoff team, but possibly to be a playoff team uh, that is a force to be reckoned with.
0: It's the kind of a team that you think at least has hope of upsetting the biggest of big-name contenders. Yes, we're talking Dodgers. I'm not going to predict that they would win a seven-game series against them, but at least they've got hope against them because they finally have the balance of pitching. We've heard for years, and for good reason, about how fantastic this bullpen is with Williams, with Hayter. But now you have the starting rotation that at least has an inkling that they can match that level of quality. And when you balance that with the kind of offensive weaponry that the Brewers have, especially with that guy named Christian Yelich and so many others who can produce when necessary. It's the type of team that when you're that good across the board and you have so few weaknesses, you can afford to have a guy not have an MVP night. You can afford to have a reliever who may not be perfect because you've built a solid enough lead that they might give up a couple of runs and win a game still. Because those are the types of teams that can beat you playing multiple ways. Same thing with what we talked about with the bucks You can win multiple ways. Those are the type of teams that win the postseason.
3: Jay, let's go to the Packers now, because obviously everybody getting ready for the NFL draft. As so we get closer Packers drafting at the end of the first round. Talk of, well, they move up again because they've seemingly done it the first couple of years with Goody. Will they possibly move back to add uh, some more? quality picks uh, and more players to this team. If you're Goody at this point, are you leaning one way or the other? Leroy Butler earlier today on the big show, he, he thinks they need to be ultra aggressive to try and add as many high quality players as they can and maybe give up those additional picks later in the draft.
0: You, especially considering the window of Aaron Rodgers, you need to find the pieces to win now. I agree with that 100%. Here's a challenge. How do you get that in the draft with rookies who are going to pan out to that level of quality? Now, you don't need rookies who might start to be at a Pro Bowl level, but when you consider that last year's number one draft picks, only two of them made the Pro Bowl, that tells you it's not that easy to be able to find a player who's going to help you win right now at the positions that you need. It is so hard to, be, to find that kind of talent in the draft, and get a rookie that's going to get you over the top and make you the Super Bowl favorite. Now, you can develop that over the next two or three years, perhaps, with the kind of players you pick. So, you have to forecast that out perhaps a little bit more for 2022, 2023, and be like, okay, we know we're going to have a hole here, perhaps, at the wide receiver position if they don't sign Devontae Adams. You know the holes that you need when it comes to the edge and perhaps in the secondary and in the middle with with the linebacker position. But it's a challenge to try and expect a first-round draft pick to be the kind of player you need to win a Super Bowl now. I'm not saying it's impossible. If you can find that diamond in the rough and you think you can get him, great. But that is a tall task when it comes to the draft.
3: That's great, Jay Sorge, because you led right into where I wanted to go next. Uh, and that point is... Aaron Rodgers' deal not getting restructured, not giving them some more money to play with in free agency to add veterans, not having to rely on rookies. What do you make of that situation with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers?
0: I'm shocked it hasn't been done yet. I don't think it's not going to be done yet, and I think you still have some, for example, talent out there at the corner position that the Packers can grab, and I think perhaps they realize there's enough of a stockpile at the cornerback position, which is their biggest position need, that perhaps they can take their time. They don't have to get the deal done immediately with Rodgers. And maybe Rodgers realizes that and is holding out and demanding more. I also wonder if he's just sort of in a position of, okay, where is my next step in my life? How long is this going to be lasting with the Packers? And he doesn't want to rush into any sort of a decision theoretically. But, yeah, it puts... Right now, Packers Nation in limbo in a lot of ways. And I understand the factors that are behind it, but it's not enjoyable if you are a Packers fan with a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl in 10 years, that's had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever ever to play the game, and they just haven't come up time after time after time. And that angst and anxiety, you're you're wondering, when are they going to get this done? Are they going to do what they need to finally get over the top? And this is just hanging out there. Not fun. Yep,
3: It feels like Brett Favre all kind of all over again, to be honest with you, uh, a little yeah. bit. It won't, it won't play out the same way, obviously. He won't act like Brett did uh, in the media and so forth. But it, it kind of feels like the same way where eventually he's going to move on and play for a different team. Uh, and the Packers then are going to have to rely on another young quarterback like they did Rodgers. But this time with uh, Jordan Love. Jay, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. <laughs> All right, there is Jay Sorgi joining us uh, earlier today. Uh, if applying for home renovation loan, as you're feeling anxious, just breathe. And let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. And again, thanks to Jay Sorgi uh, for joining us there. All right, there was a trade in the NFL. Dan Plucker uh, has that trade on the other side of the glass involving the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I think... It's a great move probably for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens, by the way, how this whole thing has played out this afternoon. What do you got, Pluck?
1: Yeah, so Kansas City is going to be receiving offensive tackle Orlando Brown, who was a pro bowler last year. I say offensive tackle because he played right tackle for the majority of his career, but he believes firmly that he can be a left tackle and wanted out of Baltimore because Baltimore did not think so. So now he is going to Kansas City as well as pick number 58 in this year's draft. So that's second round pick. Correct. And a 2022 sixth round pick. Baltimore receives pick 31, the Chiefs' first-rounder, oh. the Chiefs' third- and oh. fourth-rounder oh. this year, oh. and a 2022 fifth-round pick. On top of that, the Ravens have also pretty much a deal done with Alejandro Villanueva, who was with the Steelers
3: for a long time, yep. their right tackle. Great player. I I I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think it's a great deal by Baltimore. I think they did an amazing job. In Kansas City, remember... You know, they lost both their starting tackles last year. And now they've been trying to fill it with, you know, veteran-type players to get in there. But now to add a younger player like Orlando Brown Jr. in there. And again, this whole, I want to play left tackle. I can be a left tackle. Let me play left tackle. And creating all this mess uh, for the Ravens when he was a Pro Bowl right tackle. All that has to do because, as we know, his dad was a really good left tackle. So th- this is all about, you know, doing this in his dad's memory or whatever the case may be. And that's what this whole thing is about. So we'll see if it works out. Coming up next, uh, we will chat with the commissioner of the PBA tour, Tom Clark, straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan. Welcome back. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan. see Sparky Fiverr with you. The Romney show comes up next uh, in about 24 minutes from right now. I was efforting to get Kyle Troop on the show, PBA superstar, uh, but it didn't work out. So, I went to my next guy, and really, he's always my first guy. Tom Clark, commissioner of the PBA Tour, joins us now from Connecticut on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. How are you doing, Tom?
2: Hey, Sparky. It's great to hear your voice. Great to be on the show again, and... uh you know, we got a lot of exciting things going on with the PBA, so uh, I'm glad you called.
3: It's been a while since you and I talked, since the Spare Time Bowling Show uh, went away on the fan, sadly, uh, so we got some catching up to do. So, f- for me, at least, when you decided to sign this deal with Fox, when you did, I-, I-, I said then, and I still believe it to this day, that it is a game-changing move for the PBA Tour, and... Uh, talking to some people uh, over at the local Fox, uh, here in Milwaukee, it sounds like your numbers are looking pretty good. How, how do the numbers look a- across the board when you talk about the PBA tour and it's time on Fox so far this year?
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's up across the board. I mean, coming to Fox and elevating the production of the show and bringing people like Rob Stone back. Oh my guy. The... Yeah. He's awesome, man. And, um, and just uh, we were able to do so many more events and, and more prize money and create events like this PBA playoffs that's about to start this year's version. And, uh, yeah, the, the the amount of momentum, you know, that we had was incredible. Then, of course, you know, COVID hits and, and it kind of sets you back a little bit. But we really never stopped. We kept going. Bowling's a unique sport that, you know, we can make things happen. Um, without fans being in the building, and, and we uh, we got we got through some hard times by putting on some pretty exciting shows and and getting more exposure on Fox broadcast channel, the big Fox, and then also uh, consistently on FS1, and the amount of reairs and re you know bowling does really well all the time as like evergreen content, and and so the amount of the amount of time that FS1 FS2 uh, local Fox regional sports uh, um, channels would air our, re- our replays of our shows was just huge. And so the the total number of viewership is up uh, from when we were at ESPN. The, uh, you know, ESPN was fantastic. The, the numbers every Sunday were really good. Bowling's always done really well on television. But uh, the extra love, the extra attention, more exposure um, has really paid off. And that's why you have guys like Kyle Troop you know, emerging as as stars and, and trying to cross over into uh, uh, into being recognized by more than just the bowling world. Did you see the seven ten we had a couple of weeks? What,
3: we couple we weeks talked ago. about it on the yeah, okay. uh, Big Show Radio Network, yes, we did. Uh, I think was everybody was awesome. talking about it. You know, and, and and that's something too that you know, and I. Some Bowling fans drive me nuts, man. I'm sure they drive you nuts, too. Like, Everybody's talking about the 7-10 split, and then I see the, well, why can't they talk about this? Why can't they talk about that? Why does it take this fluke thing to happen in order for us to get any exposure? Just never happy. Just never, ever happy about anything. Just enjoy
2: it. Yes! (laughs) Just enjoy it. Right? fun. This was a really fun moment. It was awesome. And just enjoy it. And people... I
3: know. People didn't realize how long it been how long it's been since it's been done on TV and how many few times it's actually been done on TV.
2: Yeah, thirty uh thirty years since the last one. And the, the most famous one was nineteen eighty, was the first time it ever happened. And that was Mark Roth. Yep. And that was on ABC and everybody remembers that as the, as the seven ten that you know went around the world and we re aired that shot millions and millions of times through the years and Roth is famous for it. And I tried to remind people who were complaining about this 710 this that Mark Roth did not win the tournament that week when he made the 710. Right. Someone named Warren Warren Nelson won sure. the tournament over Marshall Holman. But everybody remembered the 710 even back in the glory days. So.
3: Right, and who <laughs> yeah, knows that, was... that that might be the kid's most famous moment of his life? Might be that. Let him live in the moment and quit complaining.
2: Yeah, it's it's too bad, but you know they usually come around. They never they're, for all their. Uh, negativity. They're also very loyal and yes. they're extreme and they love the game and their love of the game, you know, makes for great moments. Uh, and it also, you know, when you bowl, you're almost never satisfied either. You know, it's just kind of like the culture or personality of the sport in some ways. Um, but uh, when you bring in the, the kind of, kind of excitement that, that Rob brings in and that some of these young players that have brought in um, and our fans and, and, Different areas that have really stepped up and and made the game uh, even more exciting in person. Um, you know, it's it's kind of changing that attitude, and everybody's getting a little more used to having fun. So when we played, I I
3: when we played that seven ten split on the radio, uh, Robbie McAuliffe, uh who is here at the fan as well, does a show coming up next. When he heard Rob Stone's call, he started laughing. He's like, "Who's that?" Uh, and, and then I told him, he's like, man, that was, that was awesome. But but that's, that's, he's just so good. You know, my thoughts on Rob Stone. Yeah. So coming up this weekend, uh, it is the playoffs again. Some may not realize that you guys have been doing the playoffs on FS1, uh, Saturday, 10 o'clock, Troop versus Anderson, Simonson versus Larson. And then on Sunday at 1230, Lavoie, who's had a great year against Allen and Buttriff uh, against O'Neill. the matchups you'll see on FS1 this weekend. I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. I, and I I think it was kind of a sad day because I'm an old guy. Uh, but, you know, Walter Ray Williams, uh, you know, walks away and retires. And Pete Weber, he walks away and retires uh, as well. And those two guys both were the faces of of bowling for so long uh, that now you're seeing this transition, like you said, with like Kyle Troop and, and some of these younger guys here. Are you? Do you feel like you're still in that transition? Do you think you're past that transition point And the young stars are are now starting to gain traction with even some of this older fan base.
2: Uh, yeah, I do. I think we're we're a little bit past it. I mean, that was a sad day when Walter and Pete Weber both uh, both announced their retirement from the national tour at the same time. They're still out there bowling on the P- PBA 50 tour, and but you know Walter and and, uh, and Pete. You know, there are examples of players who are hanging on, and and because uh, you know they're hanging on, but they are 61 and 57 years old, respectively. I mean, they really were past their prime by a long, uh, for a long time. And so during these years, what was great having them out there was the chance for fans to want to see them, but then be introduced to the Belmontes and the Rashes and O'Neill's of that generation, and now this next generation with E.J. Tackett and. Anthony Simonson and Jesper Spenson. and because those uh, the uh, the legends were are still able to compete and be out there, I really think that helped bridge the gap while these other the new kids were taking over, and now they're they're fully fully in charge. Even. Even Chris Barnes, you know, just just uh, bowled his first event on the senior tour. God, we're so, old. So we're all we're all getting a little bit old when that happens. Jason Couch and, and Chris Barnes, but uh, yeah, we, we're into a new generation of players that really throw the ball in ways that you couldn't have imagined um, back when uh, back in the day. I mean, the, the amount of revolutions, the amount of speed, the accuracy, and um, people like Chris Prather, and they're not all two-handed bowlers. Right, the two-hand craze kind of. Is the, is the main thing that's changed the way the game has been played. If you want to
3: but, see something yeah. weird and funky and feel uncomfortable about watching somebody bowl, watch Butcher coming up on Sunday. That'll make you feel uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. about yourself. Yeah, I,
2: you can't really emulate that swing. That's a natural uh, double-jointed it
3: swing. It works. But, it's different, swing. though. I'll tell you that. So, again, the key PBA playoffs begin coming up uh, this week and Saturday and Sunday on FS1. I want to bring up something else. I, I remember several years ago now, because we're old, when I was out of the World Series of Bowling yeah, for the spare-time bowling show, and EJ Tackett had just busted out onto the scene and was the the newcomer, the young kid on the scene. And talking to EJ Tackett, and I was like, you know, how many of your friends, you know, were big time bowlers coming up and in doing what you want to do and so forth? And he just said, I had quite a few friends that were probably better than me, uh, but didn't pursue it because they didn't think there was any money really in it. So they didn't pursue it going forward. They went off to be you know, another professions or whatever. And you look at the money this week. The round of 16 starts this week with players vying for the $100,000 top prize in WWE Championship title belt this weekend uh, for the playoffs. The prize money from when you got into it, or where it was, I guess, several years yeah. ago, to where it is now for these guys. I mean, you're talking about a lot of these guys really making a good living right now on tour just bowling.
2: Yeah, we mentioned Kyle Troop. You know, he kicked off the year winning the Players' Championship, and that was for $250,000 in the first place. And that... Fr- Francois Lavois won $100,000 at the Tournament of Champions. Tom Doherty won the World Series main event, the World Championship. He won $100,000. This playoffs is $100,000. We had a special event last week on Big Fox called the Super Slam. Saw that. that brought together the winners of all of the majors this year, and Frankie won another hundred thousand dollars there so there's some big paydays and guys chasing after it uh yeah i know i mean you know my son has become a really a really solid bowler. you're kidding the The
3: son of the commissioner the pba (laughs) son bowls really well i'm just blown away tom (laughs) he
2: really does and he's 18 and he's going to bowl at whitewater next year but good good place to go uh, yeah there's great bowling school and great coach and but but we've uh, we've been around youth bowling a lot following following him and there are a lot of kids out there that know everything about the PBA they know everything about the points list they they watch on Fox they watch on Flow Bowling they pay attention all the time and they come up to me with tons of questions and they're really engaged in the game and these are cool kids I mean these are all kids going to great schools Purdue. Or you know, you, you name it. I mean, they're going all over. One, one kid that's one of the best bowlers in Minnesota is going to Harvard. I mean, these kids are really have really taken to bowling as a uh, as a hobby, but with the aspiration of being a professional. Um, and uh, it's it's exciting to watch, and they throw the ball so great. We had a, we just started something this year called PBA Junior, and the kid that won our PBA Junior Finals was named, is named uh, Spencer Robarge. He's from Missouri. And so he won the PBA Junior, and then about a month later, he just made the finals at the USBC Masters against the pros. Crazy! He made the he made the final. He, he finished third in the Masters. And then that kid Andy Nyer, who made the seven ten, the ginger assassin.
3: Right, the ginger assassin again. Rob Stone at his finest. It's just amazing.
2: <laughs> he's only eighteen. Yeah, eighteen years old. I mean, these kids are uh, unbelievable. So. There's really a good future, and they're really exciting players.
3: That, that's the other the other angle of this is while you've gotten that popularity on TV, again, back when you and I were younger, you'd come home on Saturday mornings and you watch bowling, and it was a thing. That's what you did. And now, um, or on Sunday afternoons, whatever, now you look at it, and that was going to be my next question as far as how is it growing with the younger generation? Are you seeing more younger bowlers and, and participation being up across the country?
2: On the highest level, yes. In, in big tournaments like that Storm puts on all over the country at tours, Wisconsin has, a, has two great youth tours, the Wisconsin Youth Bowling Tour and the uh, Junior Bowling Scholarship Tour. Um, and most states have a tour like that, and they have all-star teams, and they're, and they're all bowling for scholarship money, and the money all goes into their smart accounts. So they're, they're actually competing for money every week. And the junior gold is a giant event. the sure. Masters. And now the PBA junior. And these things are really great organ organizations that are putting together youth events. And these kids really can see their future when they do it. And they, and they bowl on just as competitive of conditions as professionals. So when they come out on the pro tour, it's not a shock to them how difficult it is. Yeah, you're not They've bowling
3: that bowling. league shot that your dad bowls uh, on a weeknight that's at his are. house. It's not, that's not what they're bowling on.
2: Yeah, they come out educated. Yeah, They understand equipment and they understand conditions. So um, it, it's a different mindset, and uh, I definitely see that. And they just consume the game and the professionals differently than they used to. They're watching on their phones. Their YouTube is just unbelievable, the amount of action that our YouTube channel gets. And it's mostly young people. Um So it's uh, it's a different world. You're just trying to reach them in different ways, keep them excited. Things like this playoffs, I mean, having the top 16 players from the entire year come together in a knockout bracket uh, elimination event where you watch every single match on television and it it all leads to the the final four and the uh, championship match live on Big Fox on May 16th. So it's a, It's like a month-long almost uh, journey. It's kind of like March Madness for bowling.
3: Yeah, no question. uh, It all starts this Saturday, 10 a.m. Central on FS1, Troop versus Anderson, Simonson versus Larson, and then Sunday, two more matches for you on Sunday, including the Red Hot Lavoie uh, going out there against Allen and then Buttriff uh, against O'Neal. Tom Clark, thank you so much for coming on. Follow him on Twitter at ClarkPBA, the commissioner of the PBA Tour, and they are on fire right now. Thanks so much for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. Miss talking Thanks. to you.
2: Thanks a lot, Sparky. Love the show. Love love, love what you do. And can't wait to see you in person again soon.
3: Absolutely. Take care. There he is, Tom Clark, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan, as you're feeling anxious, just breathe. I like Great Midwest Bank. Help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. Rami McLuff has entered the building wearing Cubs crap. Uh, so we'll talk to him about the Rami Show coming up next here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome back, Sparky's Midday Madness. Are you looking for a new career? Maybe you're looking to make a change? Any of those possibilities. Young Express, John Young and the crew are there for you. The company we talk about so much, continuing to grow. Would you like to be a part of a Christian-based, family-run company? company that's been in business over 30 years. How about a company that's been listed on Inc. Magazine as one of America's fastest-growing companies seven out of eight years? Well, they're currently looking to add to their sales department. You've heard me talk about what a great company they're to work for. Now, go and apply online at youngexpress.com, J-U-N-G express.com. Now, I'm not going to read the entire list of what they're looking for, but I'll read a couple of them for you, right? High degree of integrity. Uh, clearly, that is a, a, a big deal, right? Reliable transportation. You have to be able to drive places. That also is, is going to be something. Outside sales experience uh, in the transportation industry is required required now. So that that's going to be something to pay attention to. Excellent written, oral and face-to-face communication skills are essential and this is the part where I struggled when I tried selling one, at one point in my life. Closing and follow-up skills are a must. Now, what can you expect? Well, 40-hour work week, that's good. Salary plus commissions, bonuses and contests. Always like additional ways of making money. Existing book of business from day one. That is huge. Anytime anybody's tried to sell something like I did and you get no accounts. Makes it very difficult to get going. Expense account with generous mileage reimbursement. Health insurance 401k with up to 3% company match. Plus profit sharing too. Paid holidays, personal days, and vacation days. Cell phone, tablet, and all sales and promotional materials provided to you by Young Express. Email your resume today to my guy, John Young. J Young. J-U-N-G at YoungExpress.com or apply at YoungExpress.com. That's J-U-N-G Express.com. Young Express. Success. Drives them. Uh, joining us now as he gets ready for his show, The Rami Show. Uh, is The brewers are just getting absolutely embarrassed by the Cubs because Josh Bloom is horrible. Uh, <laughs> Rami Makhlouf uh, joins us now. H- how are you doing, Rami?
4: Good. What were you trying to sell that you couldn't close?
3: I was trying to sell radio. Uh, in I I was in Kenosha working at uh, WLIP Radio back in the day, Uh, and then that company got sold that owned them. Yeah. And the new company that came in decided they were getting rid of all of our sports. So we used to have Brewers play-by-play, Notre Dame basketball play-by-play. What? We had all kinds of play-by-play rights. And I used to board up a lot of those games and yeah. did a lot of stuff, did a weekend sure. sports talk show with Tim Allen back then. Dude, those are valuable assets yep. for a station that's small to have. Right. So they came in, got out of all their contracts, and wow. pretty much automated the station. So that was the end of that. So I didn't really get technically get fired, but there were no more hours. So, uh, so they, then they were like, you could sell? I got a tip. No, oh, no okay. that's not how this worked. Right. I got a tip to go to WLKG Radio. Uh, Tom Kwiatkowski, uh, I believe, still owns it. He was a high school principal or elementary school principal that decided to get into radio at one point. And he'd been there for... Nice just linebacker
4: over, for the Raiders, just,
3: right? Yeah. No, okay. not not related, I don't okay. think. Right. Uh, and he'd been there for just over a year. But I had got a tip from somebody in Kenosha that, hey, they were, they're were they looking for a producer, a, a sports talk guy or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was on air or something. So I go up there. I, I talk. The guy that was the operations manager slash general manager at the time, a sales manager as well, is like, I don't have anything like that. He goes, but you ever thought about sales? <laughs> No.
4: They pulled the old the old bait and switch on you. The old yeah. switcheroo. Very much.
3: So, okay.
4: <laughs> oh, no. I'll try it. Oh, no. I would have so, walked right out. No, no, no you wouldn't have. I would have walked right the hell out. No, you no, wouldn't I have. I for sure would have. No. If
3: you would have saw the women on this sales staff, you would not have walked yeah, Maybe out. I wouldn't have. Okay. So, I was like, I'm looking around, I'm like, all right, I'll try it. I'm the only dude here. So, uh, fine. Uh, I'll ratio. Get, I'll get, oh, yeah. my God. So, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll give it a shot. So, I tried it. I did it for- Three months? I want to say it was three months. We couldn't close a single deal. So then they come to me and they're like, hey, look, we're, we're going to make you producer of the morning show uh, for our guy, Terry oh. Ledford. Oh, wow. Terry so they Ledford. they actually did
4: give you like Terry, right? Terry Ledford,
3: uh, who was known as Shark Man in the morning in WLKG. You could
4: forget the Shark Man.
3: I believe... To this day, we had the highest ratings book ever in the history of Arbitron in that county. We had like a 23 share 24 what? share. Yep. What? Killed it. Just absolutely annihilated it. Now, eventually, I got let go.
4: Why would Be- you get let go from a show that was pulling ratings like that? Right. Oh
3: Well, we can't uh, we can't uh, afford to pay you that much just to produce the morning show. Okay. That was the end of it, so I was out of a job. But um, the day that they decided to switch me, my boss at that time uh, said, Mike, he goes, uh, Hey, uh, give me the accounts that you think you're close on to, to possibly close. I gave him six accounts. The sales uh, girl, her name was Jennifer. It was our best sales person. He gives her the six accounts. Rami. That was at <laughs> nine in the morning. By five o'clock, she had closed all six <laughs> accounts and got commission on it.
4: That's amazing. That's amazing, Jenny's a baller. And at that point, Jenny's I was like, a "Damn, boss, I, I don't know who Jenny is." But I should not. Have no, you sold. Should not. no, you should she not.
3: No, she closed all six the first day, so all that legwork. But she would have sold all those three months of legwork, and she closed it in one day. I probably could have closed it all the first couple of weeks had I known now what I sure, didn't know then you knew what you were doing. Right yeah, now, obviously. if I went out and
4: sold, it would be different. Is that the worst job you ever had? What's the worst job you ever had? Oh no. Well, <laughs> I tried. This
3: is good. I tried Pizza Hut once, making pizzas. <laughs> that was a day, and I was done. I was like, "I'm not really." Doing this. Nope. But the toughest job that I ever had, and it wasn't that I hated it; I physically just couldn't do it. I made bricks, uh, and it was made in bricks. Where was it? Was I didn't it know in, bricks were made? I think I it was bricks in, were like mine. I think it was rock. in like Burlington or whatever. I mean you like, made bricks, like masonry bricks, like you build with hotels with and stuff that you can like have holes in the oh, middle, like or, cinder blocks. Cinder blocks. Okay, right. all right. So. And it's funny. I worked there for I don't know, maybe a week, right? I think it was maybe a week, and it was one of those job placement services or whatever, sure. right? And dude, I'm telling you what, you move those, and I was smaller then than I am now, and I'm definitely weaker. My back every night was killing. Yeah, man, that's me, real man. work. That's oh man's work. That's grown God. ass man
4: work, right there. But the
3: funny thing about it is. The Prime Outlets or Pleasant Prairie Outlets, whatever it is, down there in Kenosha yeah, yeah. off 165, there's that hotel. I don't know what the name of the hotel is now, but whatever. We were actually making the cinder blocks for that hotel to be oh, built. Oh, really? So every time I drive by them, I'm like, I helped make those, those cinder blocks. I got you basically
4: built. built that hotel. I kind of helped yeah, to build that it. hotel,
3: right. So I got that going for me for my one or two weeks, whatever it was that I worked there. But,
4: I've never yeah. done manual
3: labor. <laughs> and then after that, I eventually ended up... Uh, getting a job at a
4: plastics factory. I worked there for a year while I was out of radio. So that I had a lot of fun. in. I don't think I'm cut out for manual labor. I was a, I was a telemarketer for a while. Mm. I delivered pizzas. Telemarketing was fun. You would be good as a pizza delivery guy. Oh, yeah. I was great as a pizza delivery guy. People must love it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Big tips. No, no.
3: Right. But then you tell me you're antisocial, which makes absolutely no sense. You're a stand up comedian and you were a pizza delivery guy. And
4: I'm a radio host. I'm good in manufactured social situations. I'm not good in like natural social situations. Manufactured (laughs) social situations. This isn't a natural social situation. What we do you don't here see the, the people air. you're talking right. to. Me standing on a stage with a microphone while everybody sits silently and listens isn't a normal, natural no, setting. That's horrible. That's great. No, that's I love ho- that. Horrible. I love that. See, this is the difference.
3: So normally, when you're not funny, you don't know it because there's nobody not laughing. But when you're not funny. In front of a large, and they don't laugh. Can I tell That's you something? That's even more horrifying. Can I, can I tell you Here, something? Here, <laughs> if you laugh at yourself, you think there's people laughing with you, even though there I, may not be.
4: I came back. I came back to Milwaukee. What, like two months ago? Yeah. Right? Like a month ago, I got on stage for the first time it, since well, October. It's been over a year. Since whatever was. No, I, I performed at the Milwaukee Comedy Fest in October. Oh, you came down for that? Yeah. Right. Okay. Headline, and I did real good. But that was people the, laughed. That was the last time I stepped on stage. So people laughed. Yeah, okay. plenty. Good. I was on stage for like forty-five. I was so exhausted at the end, dude. I didn't do any stand-up from February to October. And then they were like, you want to do 45 minutes? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I just was ready to pass out by the time I was done. But then I I didn't do any stand-up from October until I came back to Milwaukee. And like a month ago, I got on stage at an open mic. Very rusty, and it was like the it's it's at this open mic where karaoke takes over as soon as the open mic is done. Oh, so like near the end of open mic time, all the karaoke people are showing up. They're not here for stand up. They don't so, care about your goofy so, jokes. So I'm rusty. It's a room full of people. Like you would think it's better as the room gets more crowded, but, but it's after not, not because it's you. like two thirds of them are there for karaoke right. and don't want to hear me. So I'm rusty. Bad room. I bombed. Was I, bombed. Horrible. I bombed hard. And I loved every second of it. It just, I just, it just felt good to feel something. Oh, like my I, God. I enjoyed every bit of those four minutes up on stage of just crickets, man. Right. It was just straight crickets. And I loved every second. I got off stage and bought a celebratory drink and, like, high-fived my friends. It was great. I don't care if I bought That's Espe- awesome. Especially at an open mic. Well, it's different now because you know you're good. Like, right. Back yeah. when you
3: would have started, had that happened, you may never have done another
4: one. I don't know. I don't know. I've never really cared. I think you have to have that bone in your body to just not care. You do have that and bone. to be able to come back. It's like baseball, man. You're not going to get a hit every time you step, in, step to the plate. You will if he's going against Josh Lindblom. Or like being a cornerback in the NFL. You got to have short-term memory, dude. When you get burned, you got to have short-term memory. When you bomb, you kind of have to have short-term memory and just remember, like, no, that's just one time. Yeah, there, no, I get that. Chances.
3: All right, so speaking of bombing, what's coming up on the show today? Oh, I'm going to bomb hard. No, I doubt Super it. Super hard. Uh,
4: between You'll, be now hard. Uh, between You'll
3: be fine. Tim Allen will be now in here to save game. you eventually. Yes, he will. It's only the bomb of the fifth, so you got about an hour and 20 minutes or so. We
4: will continue our pledge and our there promise won't be a bomb to Bucks fans to talk more Bucks than anybody else. No offense to you or anybody else, Sparky, But every, every day after fun. every Bucks game, half hour of Bucks talks, so we're going to do that People's nice. reaction to that 76ers game last night. I thought it was a big win spark. I think it sets up what may be a must win. It
3: wasn't a real win.
4: Oh, it was. No, I don't care. I don't care.
3: If they play a series. They're not going to play that well four times. No, they're no. not. They shot like 70% almost to the three-minute mark of the first half. They were shooting over 60% from the three. That just wasn't real. That, yeah, that I'm not wasn't saying,
4: real. I'm not saying that's definitive and indicative of what, I'm what we're going to see when real. these two teams meet, but I saw a lot of things that I liked in that game. Sure. And I think you and I differ on this a little bit. I think getting the one seed, if that's still a possibility, is a huge, No, we don't disagree anymore. Prize. Oh, I, we don't? I, I okay. flipped. All right, good.
3: No, I flipped. Good. I, because the, the, the thought of Miami, Philly, and Brooklyn –
4: they, yeah, they that's what
3: I'm saying. They will not. They will not win that golf.
4: That's what I'm saying. They you will need, not. You need to clear some of this path to the finals yeah. if you're if you're going to have any hope. So no question. So you knocked you knocked it you you knocked the game off their lead and, and you win the tiebreaker now and you and you win the tiebreaker and. And if you can win that game on Saturday, man, that's tomorrow. I think Saturday you might have set yourself up for a must win. Saturday, Saturday afternoon game, stupid. I know, I don't so like it. stupid. I'm gonna be like at a
3: baseball it. game, watch my kid play. I'm not gonna be home watching. Why is that.
4: it in an afternoon game? Is stupid. there a special reason? National for
3: this? TV, ABC or whatever, two thirty in the afternoon. Oh, really? So
4: dumb. All right, still I mean, doesn't make any. I got. I don't got kids. I got nothing to do. So we'll uh, talk Bucks first half hour of the show. Sam Monson, pro football focus. Nice. He'll join us at three thirty. Talk some oh, yeah. uh, NFL draft enough. and uh, draft mockery. Horvath's back again for some draft mockery coming up at three forty-five. At four o'clock, dueling meat head coaches. What? At four o'clock, did you see the basketball coach who was introduced at some small yes. school a couple yeah, days yeah, ago? I saw that. So we're going to bring you some the of the Nukla greatest had, heads who doesn't have heat or air conditioning in yeah, his car. Yeah, that's what I, he doesn't. He doesn't eat breakfast. Yeah. He drives an old car that doesn't have yeah. AC. All the traits you're looking for in a head coach. So sure. Hey, We're going to so, play some of the greatest hits of Meathead coaches' introductory press conference.
3: When did you get your guy Sam Monson on? Yes. I, I hit Mike riding around earlier mm-hmm. on Big Show. Yeah. Uh, Plucker did a great job of booking him. Plucker wants to get out of here and wants me to shut up so he can go home. Um, <laughs> th- th- this is the thing. He said to me, I asked him about Jordan Love. I said, Jordan Love's in this draft coming off of what his was his senior year. Where does he go in this draft? He said, not even in the first round, probably second round. I want you to ask Sam Munson where he thinks he would go. Okay, I can. You traded up for what would have been a second round who pick. Was it?
4: I forgot who it was. I read an, a real, an extensive article asking a bunch of scouts and coaches and everything else that that same question, and they all had him fourth or fifth. So maybe not, maybe not in the first round, but they all had him like fourth right. or fifth in this in this quarterback draft class.
3: All right, coming up next, the Rami Show. Don't go anywhere. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you again 10 a.m. on the Wendy's Big Show, Leroy Butler and myself on Monday. Toodles.